guys. Welcome back. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait. You know when you have like a towel over your ears? Like you have your hair in the towel and you like can't hear anything? Yeah. Okay. I guess I have to take my towel out. I just showered. Um, okay. Now I can hear you and or hear myself rather and now I can begin. Hey guys. Welcome back to Thick and Thin. My name is Katie Bilotti and I'm sitting down tonight with my glass of red wine handy. We are going to be chatting about some very great subjects per usual. Tonight I'm actually going to be discussing the concept of being burnt out. Um, <clears throat> whoa, there's a voice crack. Uh, my voice is like slowly returning. I didn't record a podcast episode last week um, because my voice was actually completely gone. And I realized that um, to do a podcast, you actually need to have your voice. So, um, but yeah, tonight's episode is all about the idea or the concept rather of, you know, being burnt out, being kind of pressured in this day and age to constantly be doing something at all times, which I feel like is, is an issue that we constantly, we all face no matter what, you know, walk of life we lead, where we are in life, if we're in college or high school or even, you know, how I am in the real world um, or whatever you call this, I guess, post-grad um, living. So yeah, I think it's a very relevant subject and, you know, as I usually do, I'm going to be pulling in some his- historical um, references and figures in history like Harper Lee, just people that encountered, you know, the burnout culture and either reacted well or didn't react so well to the whole pressure that there is surrounding it. So I'm going to be talking about that tonight. Um, But as usual, I'm going to be introducing tonight's sponsor really quick before we get started. Um, Tonight's episode is sponsored by Zola, which is the wedding company that will do anything for love, which, you know, as you guys know, I'll do anything for love. Um, I talk about love a little too much on the podcast, which is why tonight I'm actually not really talking that much about it. But tonight's episode is sponsored by Zola. Um, Basically, they reinvent the wedding planning and registry experience so if you're in the phase of life where you're planning a wedding or you know someone who is um, check out Zola basically they're the easiest way to plan your wedding and registry so you start um, by setting up a free wedding website Um, it's so easy and it just takes minutes um, to set up there's over a hundred beautiful wedding website designs to choose from that fit any couple style and then um, from there you build your dream registry at Zola Um, it's, it's really just so easy there's so many planning features all in one website which as you guys know, I'm very big on planning uh, planning, and also websites. I was actually social chair of my sorority, which isn't related to weddings at all, but I was very into planning things. And so when I uh, end up nailing down one lucky guy, I always joke that my husband has it out for him, like, I'm going to be maybe perhaps a bridezilla. Who knows? I'm very, very into planning things down to the very, very like smallest granular of things um, that no one's probably going to notice except for me. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be the kind of a synopsis of my future wedding day. But yeah, Zola makes things easy. It's all online, which is nice. I always love going to like a one-stop shop type of website to get everything done. So you can set up a website and a registry, including brands like Southwest, Hulu, Home Depot, um, Airbnb. Quizinart, did I say that right? Not to mention save the dates, invitations, and easy to use planning tools to help you with the entire process, which I'm sure is going to take a village for me. But yeah, per usual, I have a great deal for you guys. Um, so to get started with creating your free wedding website and also getting $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola, that's Z O L A. 
dot com slash hello katie so that's hello k-a-t-y to get started with creating your own free beautiful wedding website and registry so yeah that's it for tonight's sponsor thank you to zola for sponsoring tonight's episode and now let's get on with the juicy juicy podcast okay so i suppose we should back up and i'll talk about uh what kind of you know spawned this podcast topic in my brain because there's always something and usually it's not as like poetic and beautiful as i like it to be it's like something kind of ordinary that occurs and I'm like wait a second this would make a very very good podcast episode topic so yeah I was actually the other night I was going down to the local like convenience store below me because I needed to get I don't know what I was trying to get I think I was getting like popsicles probably honestly it probably was popsicles um because my new thing is is popsicles because I've been like not feeling great in the throat department I've always had like a number of throat problems growing up like I just I think my tonsils need to be removed and I'm very very like I'm scared. I'm really scared because I hear it, it hurts more when you grow up and like get older. So I'm just kind of like dreading the day that I might have to get them out. Um, that's not related to the podcast, but you know, a little tidbit of uh, information for you guys there about my throat. But I was going down to get popsicles um, like a normal human being does. It's like 10 minutes probably for the full adventure of going downstairs, getting popsicles, checking out and coming back up. So I left my phone in my room because it was charging and I just I didn't need it, I guess. And I was like, ah, I'll just let it charge it's going to die the second I unplug it, so might as well. So I left my phone in my apartment, which I hate to admit this, but I am very, very rarely, like, aside from when I'm sleeping, without my phone. It is a huge part of my day-to-day, not only because I work with social media um, at my 9-to-5 job, but then also I just I just need my phone. I don't know. I'm one of those one of those crazy Gen Z slash millennials that needs her phone at all times. I feel like it's not completely abnormal, but it is definitely... Something I know is toxic, but it's like one of those things where like you just it's like a guilty pleasure, but it's like not so guilty anymore, you know, like everyone needs their phone. Um, so, yeah, I left my phone in my apartment and I like felt naked like one does whenever my phone dies. And I just was downstairs and it was kind of a nice night, which is saying a lot considering how cold it is here recently. And so after getting my popsicles or whatever I was getting, I was just walking around like I went for a little walk. And when I say a little walk, I walked to like one street over and then walked back but I it it was a walk nonetheless and I was just out it was probably like I don't know guys like nine o'clock at night and they're classic New York a million people around even when it's 9 p.m. and they were all walking so fast like I was just strolling had nowhere to be for once and so I was like you know walking around my slippers like you know just taking in the sights without my phone and I was just shocked guys by how many people were just around but like also walking so fast like where are they going where are you going at 9 p.m at night I understand like in the morning before work or like if you're late to work or like after work but like nine o'clock at night I guess some people do have late jobs and whatnot but I was just marveling at like how fast everyone was walking and you know ever since this happened last week I've been just kind of monitoring like the walking speeds of people in New York and I'm like oh my god these people do not stop for anyone like they would just walk right in front of a car if it meant getting to work faster and like it's just crazy and I know it's not just New York but like this is where I've noticed it most because in college in North Carolina people are slow as molasses let me tell you that like don't try to rush anywhere or be late anywhere in um, North Carolina because you're gonna get stuck behind like a cow or something I'm just kidding that's a joke that's like such a bad joke too because the south is not okay anyway but that was what initially kind of spurred this idea in my head and it was kind of marinating as the other kind of bits and pieces started you know working its way into this whole narrative in my head you know 
people in New York walk so fast. And I, I feel like when I first came to New York, I had this whole vision of, you know, you go to places in life where you feel most alive. You know, whether that means, you know, somewhere in, you know, a slower part of town, like, or part of the world, like, you know, down south, like I just mentioned, in North Carolina, and you want kind of the slow, the slow life. Even then, it's still pretty stressful. It's stressful anywhere you go. Everyone's stressed everywhere, no matter if you're in, like, I don't know, the tropics or in, you know, the tundra. People are stressed about various things, and everyone's stress is so different. But, you know, I just... I feel alive here, don't get me wrong, but I find myself sometimes having these moments where I'm like, I wish I could just wake up tomorrow in like a very quiet southern town or like somewhere in the middle, the Midwest, somewhere, you know, just kind of off the grid. Not to say that those places like the South and the Midwest are completely off the grid, but like there are places in those places that are off the grid. There's places, heck, in New York that are off the grid, so to speak. And I always just kind of want that life, but then I realize you know for so many different reasons that's not feasible I'm like I need to you know get this bread or whatever the, the people are saying these days and you know got me thinking like you know it, it can get pretty suffocating sometimes guys this life that we live no matter where we are we have this this debilitating like almost kind of suffocating pressure to constantly be doing something constantly be performing even if we like don't really know why you know sometimes we don't even know why that we're just pushing ourselves to the point of exhaustion like I remember in high school I worked on the newspaper and I was editor-in-chief of the newspaper by senior year I worked on it from freshman year to senior year I was like so dedicated Um, as you guys know I didn't have a million friends in high school so it was my the thing I poured all of my energy in besides YouTube and I was so passionate about it still am passionate about journalism it's one of my like you know, long lost loves that I sometimes unearth and I'm like, why did I ever stop doing this? Um, But I remember every morning we came in before school started to like get the issue out and distributed. We'd like go out and, you know, when the doors open for the day, we'd be handing out the newspaper like extra, extra style, you know. And I remember coming in, you know, coffee in hand and just people, you know, everyone else on on the paper coming in. And I remember this one guy, his name is Dan. And he, I don't actually know what he's doing these days, but I know he's doing something great, like has got to be doing something like so mind-bogglingly great because he is the hardest worker that I know, or I guess did know. And I remember one time him coming in and being like, oh guys, I got three hours of sleep last night. And everyone was like, oh my God, like that's so crazy. But like no one felt bad for him. It was like, oh my God, wow, you are working so hard. You're probably doing so well for yourself. Like three hours of sleep, wow. Like I wish that I was strong enough to be able to only get three hours of sleep a night and still perform as amazingly as he did. You know, and I would I would think to myself like, oh wow, maybe I should like work harder, sleep less because then I will be like, be able to come in and be like, yeah, I got three hours of sleep. Like, look how cool I am. It was a kind of a glorified thing. And granted, maybe that's not the the case for everybody, especially in high school. But like, I I couldn't help it. Everyone in the room, like no one was like, oh, that's that's sad. It was almost like, wow, like you probably got a lot done. Like he was the type of guy that was like definitely, you know, destined for great things in college and like got all of these amazing college offers because of his hard work. And, you know, you couldn't help but kind of correlate the lack of sleep, the hard work to all of his success and everything. And I just remember thinking that, and I don't know why I just randomly thought about this, but you know, it's the type of thing where like 
I have no idea, or I, I had no idea, still don't, have no idea what was going on in his head, how much pressure he was probably facing at home or from friends or just from himself to, you know, to be great. You know, there's all this pressure, so much pressure. And although I didn't know, you know, what was going on behind closed doors with him or even inside of his own head, I still was like, wow, you, you're awesome for, you know, for doing this and for working so hard to the point where you literally sleep three hours a night. Like, doesn't that sound crazy? And, you know, I couldn't help but wonder, like, later on, like, now, you know, how many greats in this world, you know, push themselves to the point of literal exhaustion and, like, going crazy to create things. You know, in this world where we're on Instagram, we're on social media, constantly seeing the success of other people and rarely seeing the failure. We're rarely seeing the times when people have mental breakdowns and when they just reach the point, the breaking point, you know, the point of no return where they literally are going crazy. And then they wake up the next day and then they're, you know, on social media saying, like, oh, let's get this bread. You know, I I hate the the get this bread whole thing. I, I still don't understand it. Like, get this grain or there's like so many different ways to say it um but this is literally 2018 was the year of getting the bread you know do people know that getting the bread a lot of times takes a lot of mental breakdowns to get the bread you know we're pushing ourselves oftentimes with very little sleep very little you know fuel you know to get ourselves through aside from like coffee and like working out excessively and putting on Instagram as well like I it's just it's kind of like a crazy cycle and although I do feel like people are you know getting better at not just showing the highlights kind of showing the lowlights as well you know people are these days you know I'll give us credit you know broadcasting the times when they aren't 100% perfect and getting the bread <laughs> can I stop saying that I literally should stop saying that um you know I still feel like even though people do broadcast the lows they're still, you know, on Instagram the next day broadcasting the highs like nothing ever happened. Or if it did, it's like, ah, I had a breakdown, but look how great I am because of the breakdown or like after the breakdown. You know what I mean? Am I making sense here? Like I just, it's just baffling to me how we just were kind of driven by this culture that gratifies exhaustion, glorifies exhaustion. And it's just, it's just crazy to me. And this whole little thought got me thinking about something else, like an avalanche of thought, you know, um, of historical people, because as you guys know, I love my historical people, especially women. They rock, um, paving the way. And I, I got to thinking about people who began, you know, and had all of this, this a lot of, you know, charged energy, a lot of hype, a lot of buzz, and then kind of fell off from that, you know, kind of stopped, you know, because I feel like although there probably are a million people that do this and know when to stop or like just stop because of the pressure, you know, we don't really ever hear about those people. We only hear about the highlights and the success. And one of these people that I came across was Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, which was one of my favorite books growing up. Um, you know, when you had to, like, we were forced to read it in high school or whenever we were forced to read it, I had already read it before then. One of those, I really do love my reading and my literature. Um, as I mentioned, I love journalism. I love all things written, written word. Um, and so I, I obviously knew who Harper Lee was, but I actually, for some reason, never knew um, up until her death in 2016. 2016 is when I actually found this out because she wrote a second book. Um, which was actually the first draft of of To Kill a Mockingbird, which, um, yeah, so she, whatever. Long story short, I found out that Harper Lee had only published one novel when she died. Literally when she died was when I found that out, Um, which is something that's just so, I don't know why we we were never taught that in school for some reason. Like, oh, yeah, she made this amazing work that was literally worth, I don't even know how many millions of dollars, you know, and she was just, you know, done after that. She stopped until 2016 for like, a lot, a lot of years. She died at the age of like 89, I believe. 
So for like, I don't even know, like 40, 50 years of her life, maybe more, she didn't publish another, another work. And, you know, at first, you know, thought, I thought that maybe the reason why was because she was, you know, so like overwhelmed by, you know, that one first work. And she's like, you know, how could I ever make something that's better than To Kill a Mockingbird? But I was looking into some interviews with her and, you know, it's, it's always so funny because people, the, the people, who are those people called? The interviewers or whatever, always ask the dumbest questions. Or they ask questions that I'm like, why did you ask that? Um, but a lot of the questions that were constantly asked to her when she was taking interviews, um, for a certain period of her life, she didn't take any interviews because she just hated the press. Um, but she asked, or was asked, why uh, was she so burdened by her early success? You know, is she a one-hit wonder? Did her pen freeze? People literally said in articles, her pen froze after To Kill a Mockingbird, which who knows if that's true. I mean, I know she did a lot of research for Truman Capote, um, which actually was her next-door neighbor growing up, and they had a huge falling out. He, you know, loved the spotlight. She very much didn't, and he was always kind of overshadowed by her success I think um that's a whole nother whole nother narrative but you know people were asking like why was she so burdened by her by her early success you know she refused to speak to journalists from 64 to 2016 and like you know for 50 years no second novel you know was it a fear of failure was it an exhaustion of the public you know being in the public eye um and I, I read this one interview that she did which actually kind of made the most sense to me she said I've said all I needed to say. And that was that was that. That was her answer. People asked her like, "Oh, why no second novel?" She says, "I've said all I needed to say." And you know, people invent all these narratives about her. People invent, you know, they say that she was a recluse, like a, a is that a recluse a spider? I'm pretty sure. Like brown recluses were all over my all over my house um, in North Carolina when I lived there. Um very very creepy, creepy creepy little uh, spiders, but anyway, that's a whole other thing, but yeah, people said that she was a recluse. She was, you know, just scared by the public. She would just retreat and she wasn't friendly and blah, blah, blah. But then you're here contrasting interviews where, you know, her neighbors from home um, in Alabama, uh, I believe she lived in Alabama her whole life, I think. Don't quote me on that. Um, you know, said no. She was like, a, you know, she was just reserved. She kept to herself. Like, stop making this lie that she was a recluse. And the whole reason why this kind of correlates to the, the you know, the burnout culture and such, like, people just wouldn't let it let it lie people would not accept that harper lee had just said all she needed to say they wouldn't accept that they're like no like why don't you just keep creating novels why don't you keep making work you know why did you stop you're so great why did you stop and you know can you blame people because in this culture where we're constantly moving we're constantly creating we're constantly exhausting ourselves to get the bread you know it's not normal for someone to be like okay i made this amazing work and now i'm done and so that that just mind boggled me. You know, she was worth $35 million. And, you know, some could say that the money was enough for her. And she was like, okay, I'm just going to be done now. But I have the suspicion that she never stopped, you know, creating things. But something, or maybe like, you know, little things here and there. Even if it was just, you know, scrab- scrabbling, scrabbling, sc- that's a game, scribbling something on like a, you know, a a napkin or something I'm sure she kept creating or at least kept thinking you know a creative person is is always thinking you know the gears are always kind of turning whether you want them to or not believe me but I think she just felt satisfied with what she did she said you know put out there to the public all that she needed to and you know to kill a mockingbird is such an I, I can't even put it into words you know how monumental that work was and is you know it's still being taught today 
But yeah, you know, why are we so pressured to do, to make, to constantly be exhausted? You know, Harper Lee, she got it, you know, and she lived a long life and died at the age of 89 after putting out another novel. I'll never understand or I guess quite know why she put out the second one. Maybe she just felt like she had a little more to say and wanted something as like a final little hurrah before she died. I don't really know. Um, She died, I believe, a year after she published the second novel. So some people say that she just had a little extra in her and she needed to, you know, just say that. And so, you know, but yeah, so we're so busy. We hardly have time to even like properly look at the people we love. You know, I I was sitting around the past weekend, I was in Boston, and we were getting ready to go out. We were all sitting around, just, you know, drinking, pre-gaming, whatever, and everyone was on their phones. And that's just, it's something where it's kind of like, it's just a thing. That's just how it is. And we've actually gotten really good at, at dinner about putting our phones in the pile, you know, and I think that's honestly the best, best thing your friend group could adapt or adapt, adopt. Why am I just throwing all these stupid words out here that don't mean anything? <laughs> um, I think it's probably the best thing that your friend group can adopt is the phone pile. And whoever takes out the phone first has to pay, you know, it's it's a funny little thing. And then someone's birth control alarm will go off and everyone's like, ah, okay, we're, we're done with that after like a couple hours. But you know, it's we hardly have time to look at the people we love in the face while we talk to them. We hardly have enough time to look at ourselves for that matter because, you know, when we are doing the phone pile thing at dinner and we're looking at our friends, we're talking about, you know, whatever is pertaining to all of us and we hardly ever have time to sit alone with ourselves and really process things. And even though I like to think that I do, you know, because I, I live alone, I record these podcasts every week about things and I, I kind of, I have, you know, I feel like I know myself to a certain extent, I know what's bothering me. I know what's wrong with me, you know, so to speak. And even I don't think that I fully have ever really had more than maybe 30 minutes in the past couple of years to really, you know, listen to myself or be with myself. You know, even we ha- when we have this leisurely time, we don't use it to get back in touch with ourselves. We, you know, put on the TV for background noise or we put on, you know, music and listen to songs with lyrics about all these things that we want and don't have. And, you know, it's it's constantly, we're constantly being filled with all these messages. And there's this one like advertising um, fact where it's like you're confronted with like millions of ads every single day, whether you know it or not. It's so true. You know, give you, <laughs> I, I could play like one Cardi B song and like, <laughs> you know, it's, there's just constant little things here and there that are propelling you to do something, to buy something, to be someone else. You know, there's all of these messages and hardly ever do we sit by ourselves and truly just think and talk to ourselves or, or I don't even know, think or whatever, process things and think about what you want to do with this life. And even now I'm sitting here in front of my computer recording this podcast and I have these like stupid little Google Chrome little, um, things that pop up with like news updates and one's up right now tell you know it's it's an ad for something I'm like oh great I thought I could escape it but I can't you know we're we're not spending time with ourselves at the end of the day we're not spending enough time with ourselves okay on that note I'm gonna take a sip of wine (laughs) Mm. you know it's it's almost as if we try to move so fast or we we do move so fast you know always busy to distract ourselves, you know, from what's truly bothering us, what is going on on the inside, what we want that we can't put into words because we're just, we we just decide like, oh, that's, that's a problem for another day. Like, let's just, you know, go to work, go to school, do all these things and it'll work itself out someday. You know, what if that day, that someday that we always, you know, have in our minds never comes? Like, what if we literally are, you know, on our deathbed, not even knowing what our favorite color is or something? I have this like recurring nightmare 
you know, it's like, how do we expect other people to get us if we don't even get us? Does that make sense? Like we have all these hopes and dreams for our significant other and our friends, you know, to know everything about us. Like, you know, I, I, I get this little like satisfaction or this like feeling of like, oh, when like my friends remember something or about me or something I said or like, you know, a significant other remembers something like I just it's such a gratifying little thing. But like I say that about other people, but I don't even know things about myself half the time. Like I think I do, but I don't, you know, exhaustion and just moving a million miles a minute it's it's kind of these days worn as a badge of honor like kind of like oh you got three hours of sleep oh you're working really hard oh it's it's amazing good for you but like we don't really think about what's going on underneath and how much we're struggling and you know mid breakdown we're wondering why this is happening like why are we so worn out and burnt out and why are we feeling this you know maybe just maybe it's because you know we're projecting all of this you know we're like ah we'll we'll deal with that someday maybe you should deal with that you know, sooner than someday, because it'll probably prevent a lot of those breakdowns, you know, and I actually, I did some further research on like, you know, back in like the way, way back times of like when, you know, exhaustion became so popularized. And I read in the middle ages, exhaustion was considered sinful. You know, it meant that you weren't mentally strong enough to live a life committed to God. So, you know, people just, you know, it wasn't as glorified. It wasn't exciting to be exhausted, you know, and then it became fashionable with like Kafka and Wild and Virginia Woolf. And like it was, you know, a glorified thing to be so exhausted all the time and like, you know, kind of moody and like, you know, an, an artist and whatnot, you know. And I read this one article, I was doing some like further research on like other people that have talked about exhaustion and like what other angles I could find. And, you know, someone said in, in National Geographic, there was an article and it said, um, I'm stressed insinuates that you're in demand. And that really like shook me to my core. It's true, guys. You know, when you're so tired, you know, and just overworked and burnt out, you know, as far, you know, you can be, you're, some people do get very like overwhelmed by that. I do, I get overwhelmed by that. You know, sometimes you do, but other times you're like, ah, oh, like you get the satisfaction wave because you're like, wow, this means I'm in demand. This means that, you know, people want to spend time with me or that people value my work or like people will value my work. Like you'd think that by being stressed and by being busy, it means that you're in demand. And, you know, some people crave being in demand so much. They crave either fame or just recognition for their work. And, you know, although my parents weren't, you know, necessarily really hard on me growing up, like they were obviously how any parent should be, like, you know, having me try new things and like really, you know, showing me the value of hard work. My parents both came from next to nothing and really made something out of themselves. And although, you know, I, I don't want to say that that was what made me really, really work hard. It, it definitely had a, you know, a factor in it, but like, you know, I can see some people, I was reading about, you know, some great people in history that have had like, you know, lacking home lives growing up. And that's what made them cert- like seek out this, you know, recognition and, love you know and they think that hard work is the only way to get there and you know in high school and in college I was so dedicated to like everything I did everything I touched I needed to be the best at it and I needed to be involved in a million things because it made me feel wanted it made me feel like I was seen and it kind of compensated for the things that I thought I lacked you know and I think it's important for us to realize that working hard you know working to the point of exhaustion working to the point of burnout isn't the same as working smart. 
You know, working, I don't think is the problem. I think it's how we're working that is the problem. You know, working hard versus working smart. And I, this came up to me or came into my mind because as a, as a, a business, L'Oreal, we've been really striving towards um, working smarter, not harder. That's been our whole concept um, for the past few years at, at the, the company. Um, not that I've been there the past few years, but I, I've noticed that people say it a lot. And it's a really, really awesome um, mentality, honestly. You know, you know, the idea that working hard and for a long time is the only way to succeed. That is the problem. It's not the only way. You know, you got to work smart and give yourself breaks and don't you know, feel guilty for giving yourself a break. You know, I, this is a really stupid thing to admit, but like I sometimes wake up like on a Sunday and I sleep in like till like, I don't know, 11. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel guilty for sleeping in. I'm constantly like rolling over, checking my phone, making sure I didn't miss anything, you know, or, or, oh, I should probably get up and like, I don't know, go do something with my day. Even if that means I go shopping or like, I don't know, go grocery shopping or clean my house or something. I need to do something at all times or else I feel like I'm a deadbeat. And I think, you know, I've, it's, it's tough because I'm never not going to look at people who work really hard and work to the point of exhaustion and think that their work is so amazing and that I'm, you know, striving towards that work. You know, people these days who work really hard put out amazing work, guys. It's so, it's true. You know, any entrepreneur, any, you know, business owner, any person that's, you know, in the spotlight for being great, like Forbes 30 under 30, like all of those people work very, very hard. But, you know, as much as that success is something that we look up to and we we shouldn't not look up to it, we shouldn't strive to be, you know, people that don't do anything because, you know, at the end of the day, it is great to have goals and to have things you're constantly working towards. Like I've said that numerous times that I think the one thing that motivates me in, well, not the one thing, but one of the things that motivates me in life is, you know, the concept of having goals and having things that I'm constantly looking forward to and reaching you know working towards and I think that's something that we should never stop doing you know goal setting is important but I think you know in in reaching those goals we need to be we need to be conscious you know of the times that we're spending by ourselves and not beat ourselves up for spending time with ourselves and if spending time with yourself you know I for a while I, I kind of visualized that as being like doing yoga or something or like meditating which is great and those people that do that props to you I don't I don't meditate um people have always told me that I should and I, I definitely don't write it off like I could definitely see myself doing that someday um when I have time lol <laughs> what an interesting concept the fact that I don't have time and the fact that I'm burnt out and the fact that I'm talking about being burnt out on a podcast wow full circle full circle but you know I think there's other ways aside from meditating aside from yoga aside from all the spiritual very like you know kind of glory or like what's it called um like Instagrammable or like um, aesthetically pleasing ways that you can be with yourself. There's also ways you can be with yourself where it's like you're just, you know, laying in bed on a Sunday morning without your phone in your hand, just staring at the ceiling, thinking about you and thinking about, you know, I don't know, not maybe what you're going to do that day, but just what you've done or maybe just thinking about how pretty the sky looks right now, you know, in my bedroom window. I don't know, just... I I urge you guys, I urge myself and I urge you guys to find these times to be with yourself and don't feel guilty about it. You know, let yourself, let yourself do nothing every once in a while. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, you're probably not going to Instagram story you laying in bed doing nothing. Um, But I mean, even then you're going to, you're doing something by Instagram storying. But like, 
let yourself have these moments. And, you know, for all I know, maybe people do have these moments. Maybe, you know, big entrepreneurs do have these moments. I didn't get a chance to look into them very much for this podcast. But, you know, I think it's something, it's the best gift that we can give ourselves is time alone and time where we're not worrying about, you know, what's going on. Like, where's the brunch today? What, you know, where should I be meeting up? What should I be wearing? Like, I, I know it's like kind of hard to not do that. It's it's hard to not think about all these things. Like, we are, you know, creatures of habit and we're creatures of constant movement, clearly. And I feel like it's just something we need to consciously let ourselves do. And there's no amount of pretty quotes in the world that I could say that will, you know, make you guys do this and adopt this mentality. But like... It's just something that I think at some point after, you know, a million, you know, either breakdowns or moments where you're sitting by yourself, you know, or, you know, when you give yourself maybe even like 30 seconds to think and you're like, oh my God, I'm miserable or like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed to the point where I don't think I can do tomorrow. Maybe that's, that's the moment where you decide that you're going to give yourself a break. And it's particularly hard um, in this day and age, especially in this post-grad climate where I feel like after college you kind of have to get your shit together and you get really nervous and worked up and like if you don't have a job for a few months you freak out and you think that having a job is the only way you're going to be happy because you'll have money and your parents will be proud of you and like this whole never-ending stream of like needing to make something of yourself like I get that I get that pressure I'm living that pressure you know but I kind of I kind of visualize it as like a a fucked up game of tug of war you know life or I guess you know living in the sense that you give yourself breaks is kind of like tug of war it's like you know when you're being pulled back you're pulling back on the rope and like you're winning you're you know you're winning the tug of war it's kind of when you're recovering your energy and you're and you're expending the energy and the, the rope's being pulled away from you um you know you're spending the energy but then you have to pull back you have to recover that energy and that means you know giving yourself a break I don't know if that makes any sense at all but it's what I visualize sometimes my analogies don't really make sense to everyone but it's tough because I feel like, you know, in this day and age where we put everything online, we almost need to kind of justify ourselves. Like I I feel, even personally, I feel like sometimes I need to justify myself or like, you know, I didn't record a podcast episode last week. Oh my God, I need to tell everyone why or like I need to tell people why I'm taking a break from social media. Like you almost, you can't do things these days just because you feel like it. It's almost like you need to show people like oh like I'm fine look at me I'm still alive don't forget about me because you're worried people are going to forget about you or a number of things if you like maybe don't go to a a friend outing and you just stay in like you're you're worried people are either talking about you or wondering why you're not there to the point where they are like oh maybe like you, you just your mind races you invent all these stories you think that all of these things are going wrong but at the end of the day guys I say this so many times on podcasts, but like people are so obsessed with themselves and what they're doing and their personal bubble of life, like the things that they do and the things that they say, that a lot of times they're not too concerned about you. Yes, they're concerned about what you think of them maybe, but they might, you know, chances are they're not too concerned about why you didn't go to this outing or why you decided to spend, you know, an extra few hours in bed in the morning. People are not that much into you like sorry to burst your bubble but like it's okay to take a break or to not go to something there was this one quote on tumblr I saw a while ago it was like no one cares if you don't go to the party there's this like it's like a graffiti quote it's like all over tumblr you've probably seen it on your feet at some point but like it's true guys no one cares if you don't go to the party like yeah maybe even if they do care guys if they do care it's like for like 20 minutes and it's oftentimes 
to you know just be a topic of conversation or to like say something that your friends are like oh my god oh my god let's talk about it let's gossip about it it's like one 20 minute gossip sesh and then it's like okay whatever but you know one 20 minute gossip sesh I will I will give that to them if it means that I can find some you know peace within myself you know I think that that is something I owe to myself and at the end of the day I don't give a shit about what people are saying if it means that I maybe can start to get to know myself a little bit better you know and so I think it's something we need to think about and ugh, I mean I just can't stop thinking about Harper Lee I, I literally will just go to my grave thinking about her and wondering what she did for all those years and I'm just as bad as the reporters I want to know why she didn't make more, more novels I loved her work I wanted her to keep making work you know don't get me wrong I would not have minded a, another Harper Lee novel to get me through my youth but at the end of the day like she said all she needed to say it's one of those things where it's it's like that quote you know, hate her if she does, hate her if she doesn't, or like, fuck her if she, I, I don't know what the, the actual quote is, but you, you get the picture. It's like, if she would have created more work, maybe to satisfy her publisher and to satisfy the public, you know, she wouldn't have been fulfilled, but the public would have been happy, but maybe they wouldn't because they probably would have ripped it to shreds, you know, and compared to her first work, you know, but if she doesn't, what she didn't, you know, people hated her for that. It was like this whole and the cycle of, you know, you can never please everyone. You seriously can never please everyone. You know, and I think it's it's just a matter of, you know, if you're creating work, if you're putting things out there, if you are striving and doing and making these things, you know, whatever field it is, you know, maybe not like creating a video or creating a, a novel, it's, you know, working or something. If you feel unfulfilled in this work, you know, unfulfilling work, I think, is a thief of joy, you know, and I know in this society, we need to do things we don't want to do. You know, that's just a way people eventually will get where they want to be is doing some things they don't want to do and I think that that is a part of growth I really do I think that you do need to start at the bottom and work your way up and then eventually you will be doing what you want to do don't get me wrong I do think that's just the way life is um, but I also think that if you are if you've done all that and you're still in this place where you feel unfulfilled you feel that you're just you're it's it's, it's tough because I know I know how it feels at the bottom I started on YouTube with you know, zero views. Everyone started from zero subscribers. Now I have almost half a million. Um, you know, you have to start at the bottom, yes, but I, at the bottom of, you know, zero subscribers, was so charged with creative energy. I just wanted to create so much, you know, even though I was at the bottom and yeah, it kind of sucked to be talking to no one for a little while. I just, I had all these dreams and it was purely not motivated by wanting numbers necessarily. It, actually, it wasn't at all. I did not care how many people were listening and watching me. You know, at first, it definitely creeps in later on. But like, I just so wanted to do that for myself. I wanted to make those videos for myself. And now at L'Oreal, I'm working hard every day doing it for myself because I'm genuinely learning so much. And I just feel like what I'm doing is getting me closer and closer to the woman that I eventually want to be or that I think I actually already am. But like, I just want to keep getting better at, at what I love to do. Like, I mean, there's no no shame in doing that. But I saw this quote, someone sent it to me, this girl named Elena. Elena, if you're listening, thank you for sending this to me via DM. If you guys ever want to send me anything that I could speak to in podcasts, send it to me on Instagram. My Instagram is Katie, K-A-T-Y, Bellotti, B-E-L-L-O-T-T-E. Um, she sent me this quote and it says, when you're creative, there is no burnout. It's only when you're competing, you get burnt out. But when it's coming from a pure place of creativity, you totally have energy for days. I don't know how like legit that quote is, but I, at first when I read it, I was like, okay, this is not making sense. And then I was like, okay, it does make sense. It's true guys. Like when you 
I actually don't know if I believe in like when you're creative, there's no burnout. I think you still experience burnout or you experience a feeling or a sensation of burnout or kind of like you're overexerting, overexhausting yourself. But I do agree that, you know, when you're competing, if it's, you know, with other people, with society, with yourself, you're not feeling very fulfilled in doing that and your work is not as fulfilling. And so Harper Lee didn't have, she didn't feel like competing. She made this amazing work and she was like, okay, I'm done with my my books I don't know she was done she said all she needed to say and I think that's something that we need to think about you know she didn't feel pressured to keep creating and that's so interesting to us and I think I'm so interested in her story because I just can't fathom being like that myself you know I I'm always tired (laughs) I'm always tired but I think it's it's about time that maybe we shift the conversation or maybe we don't you know, listen to that guy in newspaper, you know, saying, oh, I got three hours of sleep and say, oh my God, wow, that's amazing. Maybe we wonder and talk to that guy and ask him, you know, are you okay? You know, is everything okay? You got three hours of sleep, like you're working really hard. I see you physically and emotionally exhausted all the time. Do you want to talk about it? Like, is everything okay? And I think it's time we start having those conversations versus the like, how am I going to get this bread today conversation? And, you know, I, I literally was walking out of the bathroom today when I was going home after work. Um, and I saw this lady's phone case, you know, resting on the counter of the bathroom. And it said like hustle or like keep going. Uh, what's it called? Get it, get it, don't stop. That was it. You know, that song? get it, get it, don't stop. That was it. Her phone case said, get it, get it, don't stop. I don't agree with that lady in the bathroom. I think that we should stop sometimes. Maybe not completely come to a screeching halt. But maybe it is time that we let ourselves have a chance to breathe, you know, pull back on that rope and let ourselves have a chance to recover our energy. You know, any athlete will tell you that they need time to recover, whether it's your you know, your ligaments and your like legs after running or just your mental state. You need time to recover. You need time to recharge. And I think it's about time that we stop feeling guilty for the times where we need to pull back and we need to recharge. So yeah. Wow, that was, you go, Katie. That was a pretty good one. (laughs) That was a good one. And I finished my whole glass of wine. So clearly I was just, I was on a roll here. But yeah, that's it, guys. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast episode. Um, Thank you, as always, for listening and for sharing and for giving me amazing reviews. Um, I don't really know how you leave a review. I genuinely don't know how, but thank you for those who figured it out and have been doing it. I really, really appreciate you more than you know. Thank you for, uh, you know, not that the numbers really mean a ton, you know, everything, it means a lot, but not a ton. You know, it does does mean something to me knowing that these podcasts are helping you in some way, even if it's just making you feel a little less alone in your struggles. And, you know, although I don't always have like a, you know, happy, nice little ending with like something you can really take away, it's like you still kind of feel better knowing that other people are experiencing this. So yeah, you're not alone, no matter how much you think you are sometimes. So Yep, that's it for tonight's episode. Hope you guys all enjoyed, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.